Okay. I can do this. I can do this. Okay. You got Hello, this. Hello. You- <laughs> Hello. You're listening to Four Micronesians by Micronesians. And this is a podcast that highlights dynamic Micronesians that everyone should know. I am Liz, an ally who is not Micronesian, but will be acting as a proxy host today to interview your regular host, who is Micronesian, a daughter, a sister, dog mom, and activist. Angela, tell us more about yourself. (laughs) Okay. So, um... Okay, well, first off, it's super weird to be on the other side of this. Um, So I'm Angela. I am a Micronesian American daughter, like you said. Um, Let me think. What else can I share about myself? Um, I'm a social worker. Um, I'm a clinical social worker, and I reside in Michigan, Um, but I definitely feel like... I'm a wanderlust spirit. I would love to live and move and travel to a million different places before I die. One of your dogs, James. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Keanu, the dog is my pit bull. He's deaf. He cannot hear. His ears don't work. And then I have Tatiana and she is a little min pen. Adorable. And what kind of micronation are you? Okay. So I'm biracial. So my mom is American and I identify as Micronesian American because I was born and raised in America. So I am an American. Um, But my father was born and raised in Micronesia and he is a mix. So he is Punapayan and Pingalapis and Nichikis. Um, And my grandfather was straight from Pingalap, but my dad was born and raised in Punapay. So he definitely identifies um, not only because he is Punapan as well, because he has Punapan blood, but he he um, he grew up there. Um, and he is from Walok, which is the village in Sokes, um, which isn't too far from Colonia, which is the capital. Um, and that's where he grew up. So anyone who is uh, <laughs> from Punpe and grew up in Walok, we're very we're a small village, and that's where the parties happen. <laughs> it's your people, I love yeah, it. those are our people. Um, very interesting. If you were stranded on a desert island and you could take one person to go with you, who would you choose? And I would be personally offended if you don't say me, hello. <laughs> but you know what? I thought about this and I was like, who would I take that could be like all encompassing beneficial? Yeah. And I decided I'm the rock. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Beautiful to look at too. He's beautiful. I feel like he's strong. Um, he is, he survived Jumanji uh, <laughs> and he's capable of procreating cause he has a child. So I mean, anything <laughs> I need to do on the Island, he is good for it. So true. <laughs> and so I think he's true. smart too. I can yes. impress it. I can. And he will make you laugh. And that is important also. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love the rock. My sister like was so obsessed with him back in the day, but I think he'd be the best person to take to an Island. All right, I can get behind that. Okay. Um, what would your dream career be? I think I I don't know how to word this because I don't know what it is or if it it doesn't exist right now. But I really, really, I think it does exist. Um, but I don't know if it's exactly how I would do it. But I really just want to create something like an organization or some type of something that bridges gaps for Micronesians in the U.S. specifically. 
Um, so I'm multiracial, right? So like, I feel that I'm straddling these two worlds. Um, and I feel like I navigate, um, being American so easily because I was born and raised here, but I feel like there's a lot of people like me and not just biracial kids, but even my full-blooded Micronesian kids who were born here and, um, like we're American citizens, so we can navigate this world and we help our parents do it a lot of the time or we help our loved ones um, because it's just really hard for them because they are just coming here. So I feel like I really wish that there was a way for me to use that capability and turn it into some type of like organization where I could do all things encompassing (laughs) bridging gaps for Micronesians in America. So um, whether that's um, like connecting them to resources or helping them um, find jobs. Just like, I feel like we're such a, a small population that we're overlooked so easily and people don't know what Micronesians are a lot of the time. So um, it's very, very easily, easily to be marginalized and fall through the gaps when people don't even know like what your needs are because they don't know what you are um, or what you're, you know, what you, you need to succeed. Um, but I really, I feel like I want to learn like all sorts of ways to heal people, which I think is why I became a social worker. And I feel like this is something that I could do. Um, And I think like also like related, but not related to that. um, I'm currently in the process of like getting, I don't know if you know this, um, but like getting on a track to become an end of life doula. Did I tell you that? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like, like my, purpose of being on earth is like to find out like what I'm capable of doing but using it to make like others lives better or easier so yeah but with a focus on the Micronesian population oh definitely I mean I think the reason I say that too is because like right now I'm a I'm a social worker and I do I work with elders and the work that I do is very meaningful work Um, but I think that, I think that they could replace me and that, not that that's like a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it's very meaningful work, but like, let's say tomorrow something happened to me and I couldn't work there anymore. I think that they could probably find someone just as competent as I am to fill that position and, and make great impacts in that position. And I think it's because that's a phenomenal organization and they do great work and, They have these systems in place. So I feel like I'm doing meaningful work, which means a lot to me, but I feel like, I feel like there's something out there that I could be doing that's meaningful work that like only I have the skill set to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. (laughs) So like, I want to find that and create it because I don't think it exists yet. When do you think that you really started to embrace your Micronesian heritage and wanted to learn more and devoted, you know, energy to it. Um, so I've always like, like been proud. Like when I was in high school, I went to predominantly white high school. And like, I remember I used to like make these signs, which now, Oh my God, I just want to say that now they, I would never be allowed to make these signs, but I used to make signs and put them on people's lockers that say, said like Brown and proud. (laughs) 
because there were so few of us at Vanderhoek where that were people of color that like it was just like a way to like feel special and like people like loved it like they would be like oh my god I got a locker sign I even put one on like one of our teachers doors because he was like brown like us and <laughs> like I feel like that would not be allowed nowadays it would be very like exclusive and probably like maybe they'd be like that's kind of controversial <laughs> but, but apparently they allowed me to do weird things when I was young who knows why but um <laughs> but yeah I feel like I've always been like proud that like there's something like unique and different about me but um when I was an undergrad I had like a research class and I did my research on Micronesia because I was like, oh, well, I'm Micronesian. And I think um, my friends who are American, they went to high school with me. When we graduated high school, the summer in between high school and college, their parents were like, oh, yeah, like, go ahead, go on a long trip and pick up Angela from Missouri. So they drove all the way from Michigan to Missouri to pick me up because I go to Missouri during the summers because there's a big Micronesian population out there. That's where my dad lives. Um, When they came, I remember one of my friends was like, this is like, like very, like, like she felt like some type of culture shock, Mm -hmm. um, not in a negative way, but she was just like, I didn't even know that like, every time you say I'm going to my dad's, like, it's just like a completely different culture. Like people are eating different foods. People are speaking different languages. Like they're nothing like, like what, like, I think cause she was like just having this realization of like, when I go to school or when Angela comes to my house or like when we hang out, like it's always like very American culture. And like, it was just really weird to see like this other side of my life that was like not parallel at all. So, mm-hmm. so like to hear like someone outside of like, like someone so close to me, but like outside of the culture, like come into that, like that part of my life, um, I think was like kind of eye opening for me. Like, oh yeah, I guess I, I am different like than most of my friends. And so I remember like getting to undergrad and it was like, I'm going to do my research on this. And then when I went to grad school, I did my, um, thesis research on Micronesian, oh, so Micronesian youth, um, barriers that contribute to them achieving higher education. So, um, I've always been like very interested in like the I guess like the study of it um and I've been proud of it but um this is a long answer I apologize (laughs) no I'm I'm fascinated um but I think what what kind of really has I think I've always been proud but I think somewhat recently um within like the past I don't know how many years but um I got involved in more Asian Pacific Islander organizations and that made me more passionate about it and in like when I graduated grad school I did AmeriCorps and my supervisor there she's Filipino and she was like I love like that you have a different culture like can you teach classes on it for like our summer school programs um for like the enrichment parts and so I would do stuff like that so I'd create like curriculums that were completely revolving around Micronesian culture for like these these kids who were, I mean, they were very diverse backgrounds because we had a lot of kids from different countries in our programs, but they had no idea what what Micronesian was. So I feel like I was just like always creating these things and teaching people about the culture. And um, I liked doing it and it's just kind of grown and grown and grown to like wherever I am today. But within the past couple of years, um, I've started going to therapy. And one of the things I talked about was as someone who's biracial, I feel like a lot of biracial people have um, what they call like racial imposter syndrome, 
Um, so like this feeling of like, well, I'm white, but I'm not really white, but I'm like a person of color, but I'm not really a person of color. And it's like this very complex world to live in. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think realistically you are both because you, you are, you're both like, I am white, but I am also a person of color. Like I'm both and I'm allowed to be both. Um, but I think because it's so complex, um, going to therapy has helped me a lot more too, because I'm, I think it's made me even more proud to be, um, Micronesian and to be American. I mean, I'm, I'm white, but I definitely, as a nationality, I identify American because so like, I feel like it's helped me kind of like step into this role. Like I said, of being like, I'm always feeling very divided, but like, why can't, why does it have to be a weakness? Why can't it be a strength? Like, why can't it be something that I use? And I say like, okay, this is a gift. How do I make this even more of a gift? You know? Mm -hmm. Sorry. That was so long. (laughs) No, it was great. Very cool. Um, what is one thing that is on your bucket list? Uh, to write a book. Really? I no yeah, I don't know what I want to write, but <laughs> but I would love to write a book. We'll see. Okay. What is one thing you cannot live without? Ooh, can I guess on this one? Is it your phone? <laughs> oh, you know what? That, that is something that would be very hard to live without. But when I went to Micronesia... <laughs> I learned that I'm very capable of living without my phone. Oh, good. It was hard, but I, I, I can. Um, I would actually say my dogs. Oh, life is so full of ups and downs and craziness. And like, like I'm still single. So like, if I find someone who's like going to like love me forever, like if he, I swear on everything, if he doesn't like my dogs, like it's not going to work. <laughs> Because they're I, babies. Yeah, they're my babies. And I always say this, but I'm like, they're the only thing that is reliable in, in my life. My my people in my life, my family, my friends, I have the best family and friends. Um, but like you can have times in your relationships with those people that, you know, you're like, oh, I might need a break or I'm really exhausted from human beings, but you never really get completely exhausted from pets. Like they're just so therapeutic in their own way. And like work is not a sure thing. Like you could get fired tomorrow or you, I could get in a car accident tomorrow. And something, but like my dogs are always there. They're very like, they're my safe, like haven. I love my dogs. What is the most memorable lesson that you've learned from your parents? I think to go after what you want. Like I think about like my mom and how she's just like this this little girl who came from Concord, Michigan, which is like such a small town. And she like met this man. And one day I told my mom, I was like, mom, you were like, you were in an interracial relationship. And she was like, yeah, before it was popular. And I was like, do you think it's popular? (laughs) Before it was cool. I know. Right. But like, it was a funny thing for to hear because like, that's true. Like, when they were in an interracial relationship, like it was very frowned upon. Like when they would go out in public, people would judge them because they were like, ew, gross. Like, no, that's not okay. Um, and some people still think like that, I'm sure. But like, it's, it's not as common that like, it's, um, it's not uncommon, I guess you could say for, to not see an interracial relationship. Whereas back then it was not as likely. So I just think about how like she was so open-minded to like meeting this man who was so different from her. And then she moved all the way to Micronesia and like lived there for two years. I didn't know that. Yeah. My mom moved there and like, 
like I said, she was just like this little girl from Concord. And she just was like, like, she just did what her heart told her. And she was like, I'm going to do it. And same with my dad. Like I always say, like, my dad came from this tiny village and he was like, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to get this college education. He moved to Sumi, Michigan. It's freezing in the Upper Peninsula. (laughs) Not Sumi. It wasn't Sumi, Michigan, but the college was Sumi College in the Upper Peninsula. And it's so cold in Michigan, like this completely different world than what he was used to. And I always say like back then, both of them, like it had to have taken months for mail to get to people. And it's not like now where you can just like call people easily or text people or get a hold of them on the internet. Like they never really knew if they were going to see their parents ever again when they left America or left Micronesia. And like, I just think like sometimes when I think about who my parents are and like what like what their life was like at my age versus my life I'm just like my parents are very brave people and I feel like there is no excuse for me who grew up with so many more possibilities than they grew up with to think that there's that I have these limitations on myself because they had far more limitations (laughs) than I did and they did things that were so outside of their comfort zone like it's really phenomenal yeah, absolutely. And it shows that they believe in love. I know. Oh, that I do too. I love love. It's probably because of them. What are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of like my tribe. <laughs> like, so like my friends and my family at, at this point in my life, in my thirties, like I've finally figured out who my people are. And I was always, I was always just very lucky and blessed with the, the family that I've got because you can't pick your family um like I feel like I have parents my parents are both very ridiculous in their own ways but but they always put their children first they've always put their children first and um I have two step parents and they're the same way like they're all of my parents are very they have hard work ethic they're very hard working they've always put their kids before anything and so like I've never known anything but to be loved and to be cared for and to be nurtured Um, but then like, even like through the years, like, I feel like I've like found my friendship groups as well. Um, and I've moved around to different States and I've gone to college and, you know, I've made friends along the way. And I feel like through the years, like you just people eventually it's like, whoever's left is like, you're like, Oh, these are my people now. And like, I'm very, very proud of like, you know they say your vibe attracts your tribe <laughs> like I'm like I'm very proud of like who's like in my life I feel like I have the best people in my life like the most supportive like kind loving strong people <laughs> I've noticed that like all my friends like my closest friends are very very strong females I have a lot of single friends I have friends who are married I have a lot of I have some friends who are like moms and I'm just like every single woman in my life is just like who's like stuck around for the song is like extremely strong in her own way and like I think like that's something really cool about kind of you know I I think that's what I'm most proud of like is just seeing the people who who have stuck with me through the years well it's it's not stuck with you it's a blessing uh what is something that you wish for the Micronesian people I really wish for like more representation. So like I said, so many people don't know what Micronesians are, but I think it's really hard for, for us to like, we, we don't see Micronesians on TV, obviously, 
we don't see um, these like famous people when we turn on the television. And then like growing up, like there's not like none of us really grew up like a lot of us didn't grow up with Micronesian teachers or principals or police officers or firefighters. And like these are people of power. Right. So when we see like who's in these power positions, it's not people who look like us or or who come from our culture. So like we're kind of innately taught. Um, that unless we have a very strong sense of self that like we're learning these these bigger themes of like oh well you you know you guys this isn't really your skill set you don't do these things you aren't really powerful people but like it's just because we're the minority there's such a small group of us that like if you go to other places and I'm talking I guess more specifically to Micronesian Americans um, so like if you're if you grow up in Micronesia like all the police officers are Micronesian all of the politicians are Micronesian but for those of us who grew up here, like, we don't always see that. So, like, I'd really, really like to see more Micronesians doing these, like, trailblazing, um, you know, these these different things. So, they're, they're trailblazing so that these, the younger generations coming up, it's very easy for them to be like, yeah, I could be a lawyer. Like, so-and-so is a lawyer. I could be a police officer. Like, I know a police officer who's Micronesian. And they're not learning these, like, these narratives subconsciously that says that they can't be. Um, cause like, I remember one time I was like telling my sister about how, like, I used to watch a different world and, um, (laughs) yeah, I still watch it very often. (laughs) Um, but like when I was growing up, that was like one of my shows. And that was like, for me, I grew up in a predominantly white school, but like, those were like the people that I looked up to. And I was was, like, oh, I'm going to go to college someday and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to be just like them. And I feel like I don't know this, but like as an adult, I'm like maybe like I felt these strong connections with these characters because like they kind of looked like me, but they didn't really look like me. They're like it was a um, like the the setting of the st- the storyline was that it was a historically black college, but it was like so cool to see all of these characters who were brown people going to college and having these like very successful careers and like um, like in my family like my brown part of the family a lot of them when I was growing up they were just moving to America so like by the time they were getting to America like they they were just getting on their feet so like they weren't lawyers or doctors or you know now I know Micronesians who are lawyers and doctors and whatnot now that I'm 30 something but when I was growing up a lot of them were very brand new to America so they were taking whatever job they could to raise their family. And really they were coming here so they could raise kids in my age group so they could be doctors and lawyers and whatnot. So I think um, that's really what I want for, for our people is I really want more representation and I want people to be able to see people who look like them and come from their culture who they can identify with if and look to for mentorship. What is the most ridiculous way you've been injured? Yeah. So random question <laughs> and I love it. It's a fun one. Um, for me, or when I was living in Minnesota, I signed up for like a ton of 5Ks because I was like kind of get back in shape. And I signed up for this one that's called the Rugged Maniac. And it's like 30 obstacles along the race. Ooh. So you like climb over walls and mm-hmm. you do like that fireman's crawl or military crawl or whatever. So there's all these things you do. And like I got through the whole race. I did every single obstacle. I remember being really proud of myself drove home and then like that's like a few hours like after I got home I was like felt a sharp pain in my chest and I was like oh no I'm dying no no yeah so I I went to the urgent care not the ER but I went to urgent care and he they did chest x-rays on me because I was like 
it just I was in so much pain and he was like was there anything that was different today about usual and I was like oh yeah I ran this like 5k with 30 obstacles and he was like oh, okay so he takes it and then he puts after he gets the x-rays back he puts it on like that screen that's like a big light and then you could see the x-rays and he's like circling <laughs> the pictures and he's like you have very inflamed lungs and I was like oh my god like what does that mean and he's like basically your lungs are not used to working as hard as they had to work today. And I was like, whoa, like what, like, what do I have to do to get better though? And he's like, you're going to go home and rest and take Tylenol. <laughs> That's all I had to do. Oh my gosh. And I'm surprised because you're a college athlete, you know? I know. I paid hundreds of dollars to have a doctor at an urgent care tell me that I was out of shape. That's what happened. <laughs> that I learned was that I was out of shape (laughs) he was like you overworked your lungs because you know why because I didn't train for this 5k with 30 obstacles and by then I was like 28 years old oh my god (laughs) and I had not like trained in like years oh my gosh so embarrassing well good for you for finishing it I think that's fantastic and (laughs) if you're in pain go to the doctor it is okay for them to tell you you're an idiot it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's fine Because you thought you were dying. I thought I was dying. <laughs> that was fine. I was just out of shape. Oh my gosh. Um, so this next question is, is I'm interested to know what is the most interesting Micronesian superstition that you're familiar with? I might not actually talk about like superstitions per se, but what I will say is like from a cultural point of view, um, something that I was kind of talking with my cousin about the other day when I interviewed him as I was saying um it's kind of interesting to grow up like micronesian american because you can see both but in america like when you go to a funeral i feel like it's a very peaceful ceremony um so people weep that's like the best word i can think of like even i do like if i go to an an american funeral um like i'll probably like even if i'm gonna cry like i'm very weepy like i'm very quiet i'm very meek during the funeral and i feel like it's like considered like a respect thing like like this this day is about honoring whoever you know passed Mm -hmm. but in Micronesian culture um I think like that really is like your place to grieve so like you lost this person who was so important to you so like I noticed that at Micronesian funerals like this is how I know I'm like American is because like I'm very weepy at funerals like a lot of like the women at Micronesian funerals are very very like open with their grief so like it's like very loud crying like um I can't think of so like I watched this movie on Netflix it was called Mr. Something it was Hugh Laurie you know house (laughs) oh yeah but it was it was set in PNG in um Papua New Guinea Mm-hmm. And there was a scene where there was a funeral and all the women were crying at the funeral and they were like, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, oh my God, that's just like a Micronesian funeral. <laughs> it's just like these sobs and it's so sad and it's so heavy because, and I think both, you know, whenever there's a death, it's heavy, whether it's American mm-hmm. or Micronesian, mm-hmm. but it's a different type of heavy because I feel like in in America, we're, we're suppressing those feelings because this is not the time or the place. Like, this is about honoring the person that we're here for. Mm-hmm. But, like, in Micronesian culture, I feel like it's also heavy because it's, like, you are honoring them, 
but like by grieving them and letting them know like this, like life is not going to be the same without you. Like it's a different type of honoring and a different type of grief. And I think it's really interesting to see like the differences of the two cultures. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's more like as if you just found out and, and I, I see what you're saying with an American funeral, it, it is more like, we're supposed to keep it together and then like you can ball your eyes out or, or you know really really go at it with your tears after but for some reason you're right we we like hold it in until yeah until... we definitely suppress our feelings yeah. like it's not this is not the time or the space yeah. <laughs> no you're so that's so true interesting well that is all the questions I have for you but is there Yay! anything <laughs> or uh people that um we must know about Okay, so I'm going to do it. I think everybody should read White Fragility. Um, I don't care if we're not white or not. <laughs> I feel like um, I think it's a good read for anyone. I think it's um, it's extremely important for, for white people to read. Um, but I thought it was really great to read as a person who's biracial. I think it's really interesting when you're biracial to feel like you are both like a perpetrator and a victim because I feel like I'm very accepted in a lot of white spaces. And I think that there's been times when I've perpetuated racism myself, um, just ignorantly, quite frankly, like I've, I've had moments of ignorance and like not really knowing that I'm contributing to like these systemic issues. And I think that it really helps you grow as a person. Um, but I also think that as a person of color, like there's obviously been times throughout my life that I've been maybe on the other side where I've been, I hate the word victim. I've been a survivor <laughs> of racial injustice. I hate the word victim. But yeah, I've been a survivor of racial injustice before as well. Um, so I think like as a biracial person, person, it's also very interesting to read because I think I've been, been guilty of some things, but I, maybe I'm a little more um, open to it too because like I could see the other side of the coin also. Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you have any handles yourself that you'd like to share? I want everyone to follow the Instagram page. So for Micronesians by Micronesians, um, follow it. If you want to follow my page too, that's fine. It's Angela underscore Wylander on Instagram. Um, but you don't have to. And actually I have to approve you if you can, if <laughs> you can try. Um, it's mostly like friends and family on there. And then like if people add me or send me requests, I usually will approve it after I kind of look at their page a little bit, but um, <laughs> definitely follow the um the Instagram for the pod because I try to sometimes put some content on there to stay woke um, for the culture. So <laughs> I try to do that. And I also, try, and actually Liz, you're the person who told me I should make the Instagram. So thank you. You're awesome. <laughs> you're welcome. You are. And I've like had so much fun with it. And it's, it's really how I do most of my, I don't know what you call it, like kind of PR type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's how people know when the episodes are out. That's how people um, learn more about the platform itself. So it's been a really good tool. Yeah. First first podcast on Instagram. Maybe merch. Are we going to get some merch, Ange? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Maybe someday. <laughs> One step at a time. Uh, no, I love it. And, so many ideas. And you, you mentioned your Instagram name. Do you want to explain to people what the last name is? Wylander? Oh, okay. Yes. So Wylander, which apparently in college I've found out that a lot of people thought that was my real name. I know. I remember yeah. this. <laughs> my name is Angela Edward. But, um, and then if you look me up on Facebook, if you want to be my friend, it's Angela Ettewid. 
Ethelwood is actually what my family's name originally was, but when we've had a lot of colonizers and when the U.S., we became a U.S. territory and the U.S. was basically um, colonizing us, um, we had to change our names to more um, like British or American sounding names. So we were Ethelwood, but now we're Edward. So if you want to find me on Facebook, that's my name. But Wylander comes from white and Islander. <laughs> it's like putting it together because I'm half white and I'm half Islander. Yeah. So you've been racist for a very long time. <laughs> I can be a witness. <laughs> that's true. Since college, which is really funny because what happened was I had a whiteboard and I didn't know what to put on it. <laughs> so I just wrote Wylander and that's how this all began. No way. <laughs> Look at that. But we have like our own little community of like biracial like Micronesians. So like we started getting really proud of it and like every year when we'd have these big softball tournaments we'd all get like jerseys that said Wylander, Little Wylander, yeah. Mini Wylander, Baby Wylander. <laughs> the whole crew. I love it. Um, all right well that is all. Thank you everyone for joining and allowing me to be the host today but I will promise to hand over the reins back to Angela um, <laughs> because she is the true star. So thank you so oh, much. Gosh. Thank you Liz. Bye. Bye. Well, that was our episode. For Micronesians by Micronesians is an anchor production hosted, created, and produced to you by me, Angela Edward. You can learn more about me at AngelaEdward.com. You can follow the show and get more Micronesian content on Instagram at For Micronesians by Micronesians, all one word. Also, don't forget to support Micronesian businesses that can be found on the For Micronesians by Micronesians Instagram page under the highlights. We will be back next week with an all new episode. If you would like to recommend any topics, please feel free to DM them into the Instagram page. Thank you again for listening to all of my Micronesian friends, family, and allies. Catch you next time.